You are now about to witness the strength of Raider Nation. What is up, Raider Nation? Week 12 is upon us. Thursday night is upon us. And a very important matchup to the Raider Nation. The Colts versus the Texans. And after this game, regardless of who wins, the Raiders will officially be in the sixth and final playoff spot. This is New Era Nation podcast. Podcast about the Oakland Raiders, about the NFL. I hope to provide you good information, opinions, and insights into this football team. So welcome in Raider Nation and anyone else listening. All are welcome and all are appreciated who do listen. Again, as always, thank you guys for listening and thank you for the support. The Raiders sitting 6-4 and four on a road trip to New York. Uh, this is week 12 as they go to face the New York Jets in Meadowland or MetLife Stadium, sorry. And I keep saying, appreciate it, appreciate it, appreciate it. Take a step back and appreciate what we got. But this is the week where you must appreciate it. Really soak it in. Bask in it. Because regardless, at, well, at least after tonight, at this point right now, Raiders 6-4 and four in a playoff spot after Thursday night. Now, who knows what can happen on Sunday. It could all fall apart like I've talked about before. So, once again, enjoy it, guys. Enjoy it, nation. Enjoy the steps the Raiders have taken, the progress of this team, the youngsters. And definitely ahead of schedule. There's no doubt about that. Especially when you compare it to last year, when we were so far behind schedule. It looked like a disaster. I mean, last year we played this same Bengal team. Different coach. I think it was Marvin Lewis. Lewis. Marvin Lewis was still in charge. And this is a situation I can use to show the difference between last year and this year. The growth. The obvious improvement. Last year the Raiders played the same Bengals team. Well, not completely the same, but most of the parts are the same. With Marvin Lewis as the head coach. And Jeff Driscoll, the backup rookie quarterback in his first start as the quarterback. This game was played in Cincinnati last year. The Raiders lost that game 30-16 to to the Cincinnati Bengals and their backup quarterback. It wasn't even close. It was a burial. Now you flash forward to this year in the past game against the Bengals. Pretty much the same team, a new head coach. Um, and another situation where Andy Dalton's out and a rookie quarterback has taken his place. This game took place in Oakland. And everything happened as what should have happened. The Raiders did what they should have done. And that shut down the rookie quarterback. I think he passed for 70 yards or so. And they walk out with the 17-10 victory and beat a team they should beat. And this also ties into the next opponent, the New York Jets. Mainly their coach, Adam Gase. Last year, Adam Coach was a... Adam Coach. Oh, my God. Adam Gase was the coach of the Miami Dolphins who the Raiders played in week two. Last year, and it's important to remember this, the team was old and slow. They might have had guys who loved football, but they weren't very good, or they were past their prime, way past their prime. A great signing from last year that was on last year's team that is helping out tremendously this year is Jonathan Hankins. 
Well, last year the team was old and slow, and you could really tell the difference starting in preseason this year. The Raiders, you know, John, uh, John Gruden, Mike Mayock, needed to upgrade the speed and athletic ability on this team, and they did that. Immediately in the preseason, you could see the difference. At this point now, your eyes are used to it, but this team is playing a lot faster and a lot better than it did last year. So last year, I'm sorry, they played the Dolphins in Miami, Adam Gase's head coach. And when that game started, the Raiders were dominating. With Jordy Nelson, of all people. Old Jordy, getting it on the Dolphins. And the Raiders were dominating the Dolphins to begin, begin the game. They were prepared. They were ready. Adam Gase was getting outcoached by John Gruden. Even with that old and slow team, the Raiders were in control of this game. They slowly started to sputter. Adam Gase made an adjustment, an easy adjustment. He started using the jet sweep play around the edge on these slow defenders. And it worked for two huge touchdowns. It turned the momentum, gave the Jets the lead, and Derek Carr threw a couple interceptions to uh, Xavier Grimes, I believe, who was covering Amari Cooper, who, again, this was something Amari Cooper used to always do, not fight for the ball. When Carr would throw it up to him, he wouldn't fight for it. He would watch it and go into the defender's hands, and then he would go to the sideline. I'm really starting to hate Amari Cooper, you know that? Go get your Dak Prescott love. You, him, and Ezekiel Elliott can get in a car and drive off a cliff together. And nice to see Dak Prescott had his best game of the year, like almost 450 yards or over 450. I don't know exactly what the number is. And Cooper contributed 30-something yards to that. How very Amari Cooper of you, Amari Cooper. Anyway, back to the Dolphins game and the jet sweeps Adam Gase used to beat the Raiders. The jet sweep turned out to be the kryptonite of last year's team. Several teams used a jet sweep to great effect on the Raiders. The lack of speed and talent beginning to show out. The Raiders were ready to play and John Gruden was out coaching Adam Gase. Easily. And that's not something to really brag or boast about. It's easy to, to out coach Adam Gase. He's not a very good coach. I'm just pointing that out because it was a fact. And if he outcoaches Gase this year, it's, it's lights out. That's a wrap. So, yeah, I don't believe Adam Gase is a good coach. Um, he's coaching the Jets this year. He got a lot of his fame, let's be honest. Being Peyton Manning's offensive coordinator. Come on. Peyton Manning's offensive coordinator. Yeah, you did so much to make that shit work, didn't you, Gase? It's like a situation where a guy has a million bucks Adam Gase goes up and gives him a dollar and says, look, I just made that guy richer. Yeah, you're a big contribution there, didn't you, Gase? So he shows up this year somehow, and thank God, you know, the Raiders don't have management like this. Somehow the Jets think it's a good idea to hire this guy as their head coach. He's going to lead them to the next level. And he shows up to the press conference, eyes all bugged out looking everywhere like he just smoked a bowl of meth before he walked out to do the press conference. And he also takes smelling salts to get ready for the game. Maybe he took some smelling salts for the interview, I don't know. But if you need to take smelling salts for a damn interview or smelling salts to coach on the sideline, you're not going into play, all right? You're not fighting a bull. You're not getting in the ring in, in a UFC fight or anything like that. You're a coach on the sidelines. What do you need smelling salts for? Well, I guess it says something. I mean, if you can't be excited for the team you're coaching, 
I guess it says something if you need smelling salts to get up for the press conference to introduce you as head coach. And I know there's no reports of him taking smelling salts before the interview. Come on. Let's put two and two together. What causes you to be bugged out at an interview in front of everyone? It's either smelling salts or meth. So take your pick. So Gacy's introduced and he got hired because he's regarded as an offensive mastermind and a quarterback guru. This guy was going to help Sam Darnold develop into a great quarterback and help him with great schemes. But what has happened? The Jets' offensive play and quarterback play has been horrible to the human eye. I mean, if you're watching it, it's not bad if you don't have to watch it or listen to it. Let me put it that way. Um, your eyes won't bleed that, or your ears won't bleed in either way. And they sit at the bottom of the league in a bunch of offensive categories. So there's your quarterback guru. You know, does anyone believe he helped Peyton Manning develop? I don't think so. He's just there for the ride. So if that's your, what you're basing on, your quarterback development on Peyton Manning, guess what? The guy's already a Hall of Famer before Gase got there. I mean, look at Gruden. If you want to see how a real mastermind and a real quarterback guru does things, look at Gruden. As far as Sam Darnold, he's shown great improvement the past two games. You know, since seeing ghosts against the Patriots and apparently against the Jaguars, too. I'm a big USC football fan, too. And, uh, yeah, Sam Darnold came from SC, and he was a great quarterback at SC. I thought he'd be a great quarterback coming out. And you can still see that talent there. But, unfortunately, he has Adam Gase as his coach. And this week, I do not want to see Sam Darnold doing well at all. I hope you throw four or five interceptions and get sacked four or five times. And with the Jets, the Raiders are facing another bad offensive line. Pass protection and running. Run blocking. And as far as receivers, that's not a bad group. Jameson Crowder, an old washed-up Demarius Thomas. Watch him have a big game. And uh, Robbie Anderson, who is solid. I feel like he was going to break out at some point, but his, his development has been stunted. And with the recent rise of the Raiders' pass rush, I expect consistent pressure on Sam Darnold to continue. Like I said before, these aren't the type of rookies to celebrate and take a deep breath and relax and say, Woo, we're doing great. Let's just, let's just cruise it out the rest of the season. We made it. Now, these are grinders. Any confidence gained from a great performance is just going to fuel them to be better in the next game, to fuel them to work harder in practice, get better at their craft. They will develop faster and be even more prepared for every game. Not the type of guys that have letdowns because they're satisfied with their performance. And not the type of guys that put it on cruise control. These are the type of guys that say, yeah, that was all right. Could have done better. We want more. Got to keep working. We have a mission to accomplish. And this goes into the character guys Mayock talked about drafting and free agents that he signed. Oh, yeah, I can hear you haters from here. Oh, yeah, Antonio Brown worked out well, didn't it? Antonio Brown, fuck A.B. Fuck Antonio Brown. That guy had frostbite on his feet. He might as well cut his own feet off because he's cut off his career probably forever because he's a stupid, stupid idiot. Oh, and what about Burfick? How can you not see that coming? He's an animal. There's no place in the game for a guy like that. 
Yeah, there's no place in the most violent game in America for a guy like that. Where big, strong dudes are trying to pound each other into the ground on every play with violent, fast collisions. Great football cannot be played without basically a human wall blowing up from collisions. And even then, if you're playing flag football, blocking, pursuing, still plenty of violence in it, even though you're pulling flags. It's about physically punking the man in front of you all game long. It's a basic warrior gladiator spectacle designed to be fast and violent with skilled players. Football is purposely made this way. You can't take the violence out as it's inherently a violent sport. Violent collisions are a natural part of the game. A human demolition derby, really. I get excited off a great block that puts a guy on his back. I just get the feeling that a lot of guys complaining about these hits and stuff don't understand what how football is and what it is. It's the only place for a guy like Perfect. And then we have in Richie Incognito. Yeah, how'd that end up? Everyone's waiting for him to fall. And hopefully I don't jinx anything. But he's being a model citizen. A model citizen. And he's a guy who breaks up fights now. And doesn't get into violence. Except on the football field. And if you don't turn into caveman. And start jumping around. When you see a big hit or a crushing block. Then this game isn't for you. And I can't explain it. Either you like what you're looking at or you don't. You understand it or you don't. Either you see violent collisions and get excited, or you see it and cover your mouth and eyes while gasping. Maybe run out of the room. I don't know. I'm not built that way. Call it what you want. Maybe I'm an old school dude filled with machismo and testosterone, and that kind of man is a dying breed. And this new age of man likes to wear pants so tight, you have to peel them off. Write travel journals, put together collages, and uh, get butt lifts. Why wear skinny jeans? I don't know why. They want to show off their legs and ass lift, I guess. My biggest fear is as the estrogen grows in every generation of our young men, sports will die, especially sports like football. There is a connection to the primal caveman in all men, and football and hockey remind us, unlock that connection. I don't think we should ever lose that as males. I just hope not. Okay, and once again, I veered off into another lane. Okay, uh, the Jets pass offense and the Raiders pass rush. So I expect the pressure to continue versus a battle line, and in lockstep with that is a play of the secondary, especially recently. Two major changes happened and some ancillary changes, forced by either injury, bad play, or both. First, of course, was the insertion of Eric Harris into the starting lineup and the play of Eric Harris since then after the Abram injury. I've talked about that in past podcasts. You just have to go back and listen to them. This was the first step in settling the secondary. Some early mistakes and blown coverages, but with playing time, it's growing quickly with solid coverage assignments and big play turnovers. The second part of this is really important too, and it's further solidified the defense. Trayvon Mullen being inserted as a starter. A young buck I haven't mentioned much, but a very important piece. After a game versus the Packers, it's seen enough of Gary on Conley. All season long, these guys open way too much at the most critical times. At that point, I've had enough looking at that guy. Felt the Raiders should scrap the uh, Gary on Conley plan and get playing time to the talented rookies. I mean, you got 
three young, talented guys, Trayvon Mullen, Isaiah Johnson, and undrafted free agent Keyshawn Nixon is turning out to look really good. And Conley is hopeless. Um, basically, there's no more time to waste on Conley. No more time to waste, period, with these young guys waiting. The Raiders need to get the youngsters on the field to get the experience, to go through the growing pains and all that, to get all that out of the way. So by possibly later this year, they're ready to roll, and definitely by the start of next year. You just can no longer sacrifice valuable playing time, learning experience for Gary on Conley with these guys waiting on deck. And thankfully, the Raiders were thinking the same way. Not long after the Packer game, they traded Gary on Conley to the Houston Texans, their next opponent on the schedule for a third-round pick. Log that into the war chest of picks. Kind of strange situation to trade a player to a team that you're about to face next week. But... Those actions said, we couldn't care less. You know, so what? Please put him on the field against us. Even with any tips or knowledge that Texas can glean from him, Raiders didn't care. That right there should have been a huge red flag for the Texans. But they just shrugged their shoulders and said, all right, are we doing this or what? Gruden, man, going, okay, yeah, yeah, we're doing it. But the other side of that is the Raiders know Conley's strengths and weaknesses better than anyone. And they burned Conley for a TD in that game. The Texans basically played right into Gruden's hands. It was a little real surreal seeing Conley lined up in a Texans uniform against Tyrell Williams and Derek Carr. But that wore off as soon as the ball was snapped. So Carr sees Conley in there lined up on Williams. And he sees a weakness. Audible's a play. Audible's to a play just for this moment with Conley. It must have been a home run play they were waiting to use, only if the right situation and coverage came up. Carr recognized the defense audibles, and you could tell he's excited trying to get the audible in on time. Didn't want to miss the opportunity. Carr got the ball, held on as long as he could, bought as much time as he could rolling to the right, um, waiting for Williams to get open. He makes the throw getting hit, hits Williams in stride about the 20, 25-yard line, Williams runs the rest of the way for a touchdown. Wide open. Around a, it was like a 50-yard TD strike with Garyon Conley in coverage. Seeing his weakness and exposing it right away. It was nice to see us take advantage of Conley instead of opponents taking advantage of the Raiders through Conley. And do you all see the underlying story here that I kind of mentioned? The Raiders traded a liability to their next opponent then took advantage of them in that game giving them a chance to win, and getting a third-round pick out of it for their troubles. And just last week, Conley got burnt by Seth Roberts for a touchdown. Think about that. Now, two former Raiders, an undrafted free agent wide receiver, known for his blocking, not his receiving, versus a former first-round pick. And Seth Roberts gets his first touchdown as a Raven, and it happens against Conley. After this, there's really no more proof of Conley's liabilities needed. But this is more proof of John Gruden being a mastermind. Nostradamus-like. Machiavelli-like. Sanju-like. Even I feel I've underestimated Gruden. And I said this football maniac had never been, had been away for 10 years, but he really wasn't away, as he was attached to the game in a way to get access he never could before. I'd said, you know, he's plotting his master plan for his return to success while in exile. But he's beyond that. 
I'm going to go ahead and call him an evil genius, a mastermind, a supervillain for the rest of the NFL. More like a man in solitary confinement, plotting his revenge in a perfectly executed plan that unfolds over time. And by the time you, and by the time you see it coming, it's too late. Gruden is very much like mass criminal masterminds Lex Luthor, Kingpin, or the Penguin from comics. Yeah, after the thefts he pulled off on the Texans and Bears, go ahead and consider him a criminal mastermind. Let's just take a little trip back in time to last year. A dark, dark time in Raider history for a lot of things. Coming in and making the unthinkable, the logical decision to not pay Mac and trade him. Now, while the stock's at an all-time high, was a ludicrous idea to everyone, including his general manager at the time, Reggie McKenzie. He took the heat from everyone for that move, including the nation. A supreme edge rusher on a team devoid of talent isn't going to get you anywhere. And giving him QB money would be irresponsible for the franchise. It's just an irresponsible move for this particular team. And when Gruden made this decision... He knew the backlash that would come with it, and he took it all. And generally made safe comments when asked about the trades and the direction of the team. Um, he made safe comments about it, but patiently waited for his plan to come to fruition. And how much belief do you have to have in yourself and what you're doing when the whole world is against you, when the whole world is telling you you're going to fail? And there were great arguments for the trade or against the trade and when Bruin pulled it off he knew it was going to be brutal but he knew he had to weather this hurricane until his plans started to come together for everyone to see that he was right a tremendous bet on himself to get this great organization back on its feet he sacrificed himself for the future of this franchise no one can ever tell me his love for the Raider Nation the fans the organization is an act this proves how genuine he is and how much he really does love this organization. Nostradamus-like. And to think, after training Cooper, many questioned and wondered if Gruden came back just to destroy the Raiders. Probably the same people, the Kaepernick people, I'm sure of it. Yeah, I'm never forgetting about that. And as he's proven, this is an idiotic thought on the shelf with the rest of the wacko conspiracy theories. What was that? Another shrewd calculating move, you ask? How about trading the kicker to the Bears for the minimal return of a conditional 7th round pick? A kicker that has cost the Bears a couple games, weakening their record further and raising the draft pick the Bears still owe the Raiders. Fleece them again. I can't say enough. And here we are again. I started talking about Trayvon Mullen and ended up talking about Eddie Pinheiro. It's like I'm driving this podcast, this bus. No, it's not a bus, more like a Prius. And not even a Prius, a Vespa. More like a Vespa right now. I'm driving this Vespa to California, and we end up in Canada. And not even like Vancouver or Toronto. We're like, we end up in Saskatchewan, Canada. But these are good points I need to get to, and they all tie together. And I have gone into greater detail about these things on past pods. So uh, go ahead and check them out. So now Mullins inserted in the starting lineup. And in his first start, he has a pick six in his hands from Deshaun Watson and dropped it. 
could return that for a touchdown if he had the Raiders win that game. And then he had a little setback versus the Lions, which is understandable. Since then, he is solidifying the secondary even more. His coverage has been great. We're starting to see passing yards drop and guys being held to minimal yards. Topping it off so far with a game ceiling pick on a very underrated athletic play. And on that play, what I see, I saw great instincts, great body control, great reflexes, and great catching ability. That was a hard interception to, to get. He was basically running in the opposite direction, had to twist and turn his body and catch the ball as it passed his body. It's a nice interception. It took a lot of skill to get it. Everyone who's stepping on the field at this point has been producing. And I expect no different from Isaiah Johnson, fourth-round pick, when he gets on the field. But right now, Mullen's showing great potential to be a number one lockdown corner. And I'm going to be honest. I believe we're set for the future at cornerback. We have Trayvon Mullen, Isaiah Johnson, and Keyshawn Nixon. There's good a they're as good of rookie prospects as there is in this league at that position. And I see a lot of, you know, mock drafts or people saying when we get a, a cornerback or a defensive tackle in the first round. No, 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 no. We're set at corner. We have Maurice Hurst and PJ Hall at the tackle positions for the for the, you know, future. And we might need to add one more, but not in the first round. No, no, no. There's more pressing needs. Uh, my opinion, should focus on a great every-down linebacker who can cover and stop the run. Then, of course, a great wide receiver and a great edge. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some special guys to contribute right away. But I like their, chance, I like their chances to find those guys, much like they did this year. Ten sacks and four picks versus some battle lines and backups the past two games. But just as much to do with it, these young men are getting better every week and have some talent. And you could say, yeah, well, 25 sacks, 10 of those over the past two weeks against crappy offensive lines. But even prior to that, in eight games, the Raiders have 15 sacks. Last year, in 16 games, they had 13 sacks. So already in half the amount of games, they'd passed last year's production. So there's no doubt there's tremendous improvement just on that. And in the past two games, go ahead and add 10 more sacks. The Raiders are already at 25 sacks this year in 10 games. And I think the pass defense will be fine against Sam Darnold and the Jets. And the run defense. These guys have been playing at a high standard for most of the year. These past two games have been well below the standard that they've established for most of the season. And I believe they'll get back to that elite level of run defense this week. And here's why. Coaches and players know the run D has been lacking, has been slipping. And they'll be extra motivated to correct those details, gap assignments, and tackling. And being in the right position. The Jets' O-line is worse at run blocking than they are at pass blocking. Le'Veon Bell hasn't been the runner he's been in the past. And the offensive line contributes to that. And so does Bell's running style. This isn't the Steelers' line. This isn't the Steelers' offensive talent he had the last year he played before quitting on the Steelers. He, he can hesitate, wait for a hole to open up, dance around the line. And most of the time, there, there's no hole opening up for him. Quick strike, hit the hole fast type runners who can also get it on the edge on a toss sweep and get around the edge. Those kind of runners hurt the Raiders. Le'Veon Bell is the opposite type of runner. He hesitates at the line. 
And you combine his running style with that offensive line, and it doesn't equal good results. And you could probably combine anybody's running style with the Jets' offensive line, and it wouldn't equal good results. So Le'Veon Bell, he hesitates at the line. He's not super fast. And the Raiders' defense is a seek-and-destroy operation. I can just see him getting the line hesitating and getting swarmed and gang-tackled. The Raiders' main operation on defense is to blow it up and attack. And I do not expect, and I better not see, any run game success from the Jets. And Sam Darnold's been operating without a run game, and that needs to continue. Now for the Raiders on the offensive side of the ball versus the Jets' defense, the run game. They are going against a number two rush defense, and it's not hard to see why. They have some beasts on that defensive line. So expect the Raiders O-line to be focused and fired up to dominate these guys. There will be no flat play or start. I expect better execution. I want better fucking execution! You see, Coach Gruden's getting fired up right now. Jacobs had over a hundy as far as rushing yards, but was disappointed in his play. Get back to work, young man. Let's get it. He rushed for over a hundy, a hundy and still isn't happy. You gotta love it. They know how good this defense is, and the mental makeup of this team is to get excited for the challenge, to defeat the challenge. This offensive line, I've never been so proud and so confident that our line will beat any defensive line. So I expect better timing and execution from the line and the running back position, and I expect Josh Jacobs to have a big game, even bigger than last week. And if Josh Jacobs gets 77 yards, he's already at 1,000 in 11 games. Pretty, pretty impressive. And so far, no new major injuries or anything like that. Because mentioned last pod, Preston Brown is in now. And they got to fast track him, like Gruden loves to say, get him on the field. But when I couldn't understand why Preston Brown was cut, I began to find information on why. Preston Brown avoids blocks. He doesn't take on blocks. And if he doesn't have a clear path to the guy with the football, then he's going to get pushed out of the play. Uh, and I'm hoping that the, you know, the coaching staff will remedy that. Because if there's a block, you got to take out a blocker, then you need to take out the damn blocker. But as far as the O-line, uh, no setbacks that I can see. They're just giving guys rest that they need. And, you know, it's a tough season. These guys play their asses off all year long. They're injured. They're tired. They're beaten down. And sometimes you, you muster it up when you have to. And try to ride through the rest of it. And so I understand. But these guys. This offensive line. Will be ready to play. On Sunday versus the Jets. I feel that. And when the Raiders passing game is in effect. Obviously time for car is the most important. Uh, The Jets have 25 sacks. Same number as the Raiders. Cars reach a top level play right now. So there isn't much concern about moving the ball. Or scoring. As long as there is no. You know turnovers. So, not concerned about him moving the ball or the pressure he's going to get this week. The man is doing it with any weapon he has, and the Raiders aren't flush with super skilled players yet. But he's making it happen. So, with all that said, I expect the Raiders to start fast and finish against the Jets, keeping them at at least arm's distance, you know, a touchdown away. And all this work and success the Raiders have built upon this year I expect them to see the results of that starting with the Jets and really starting to put it together. Um, Gase versus Gruden is no match. 
And after Thursday, I can't see this team laying an egg when on Sunday, all they have to do is take care of business against the Jets to maintain a playoff spot. Gruden talks about the team still has a lot to prove and a lot to improve upon and a lot of work to do. And the players are basically echoing that. It's 100% buy-in. These guys will run through a wall for him. And the Raiders are beginning. They'll get more and more focus as the end of the season starts coming up. And as far as putting it together, I think all that experience they've gathered and confidence, we might see a double-digit victory here. I'm expecting one a little bit. The Raiders aren't leaving New York without a win. Time to raise Times Square, coated in silver and black. This weekend, it will belong to Raider Nation. This team is more focused on the road. The road trip to death to steal these guys into road veterans. By my... By Monday, the Raiders should be taking a firm hold on a playoff spot. And maybe the jackass Broncos can do us a favor and take out the Bills. So let's get ready for Sunday, Nation. As usual, it's on. And we need to handle business. That's all I got for now. Uh, as always, keep it silver and black, and there's only one nation, baby. I'll see you guys Sunday. Let's go, Raider Nation. Talk to you guys next time.